Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. This is it. This is the final Sunday for our series in the book of James. Works of faith. Here at Villas Grace Church, if you're new with us, we enjoy going through books of the Bible, verse by verse. We appreciate what is called expository preaching and teaching. That way we allow ourselves to cover all of God's Word in its entire context, which means we don't preach our opinion. Now, that is something that I think anybody who stands in the pulpit needs to safeguard themselves from because it is very easy to preach what you want to preach, but this puts us in a position to where we are forced to preach God's word in its entirety. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be able to come together this morning. I pray as we finish the book of James this morning that we can allow these truths that we've heard from the hand of James as he wrote this letter to the church to penetrate our hearts, and we allow your Holy Spirit to guide us in the truth. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen. I'd like to just read this account to you really quick, so I'm going to read it to you word for word. And this is of a young boy who found himself lost in a big city in their Chinatown district. I just want to read this so I get it right and correct. He states this, when I was four, I got lost in a city and was rescued by what my dad thought was a gang. We had dinner in Chinatown with another family, five kids in all. Crossing the street after dinner, we were holding hands in a big chain. My older sibling let go. When the light changed and everyone crossed, I stayed on the sidewalk. I was looking through a window into a barber shop where some huge guy was having his head shaved. Can still picture it to this day. When I finally looked around, everyone was gone. I started to cry. A group of teenagers approached and asked if I was lost. I said, a tall kid hoisted me into his shoulders and started down the block. Other kids split up and went into different directions. We rounded a corner and I saw my dad. He turned white and ran toward us. The kid lured me from the ground. A few kids were there too, and they stood around awkwardly while the tall kid explained what had happened to my dad. My dad, not a demonstrative guy, flung himself at the kid and hugged him. My mom appeared and picked me up. Years later, my dad told me he saw the same group of kids hanging around when he first parked in the city that evening and was suspicious that they were a gang. He was embarrassed and tried to be less judgmental after that. Wish I could thank those guys. This was a long time ago. I want to share something else with you that's a little bit similar. See, in cave diving, there's a line. This line actually has four different names. It can be considered the distance line, the penetration line, the cave line, or just quite simply, the guide line. See, these lines are used by scuba divers so they can be brought back to where they started safely. And the results of not following one of these lines by a scuba diver quite simply would lead to their death. 
Brothers and sisters, even for us in the church, we're all here because at some point in our lives we heard something about the gospel. Something about the gospel that put us into a position that brought us here this morning. There was something about the good news that we liked. However, we need to heed some truth today. We need to keep an eye on the spiritual guideline. We need to keep an eye on the spiritual guideline that leads to salvation. See, it's no different than that young boy that got lost in Chinatown. If he wouldn't have let go of his sister's hand, he would have never been lost in the first place, crossing that street. And since we are being encouraged to keep our hand on that spiritual guideline in our lives, this is actually precisely what James is telling us today as we close out the book of James in our sermon titled, Brought Back to Salvation. Brought Back to Salvation salvation. Today, as we've stated, we're going to be closing out the book of James. We're in chapter 5. We're just looking at two verses this morning, the final two verses from James, chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. But before we get into these verses, we must remember that last week, Pastor Jared covered James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. We were encouraged in his sermon in that we're dependent upon God's grace to live powerful Christian lives. Today, however, we'll see that God's grace actually ends up leading us into forgiveness. And that is important. We're going to be encouraged to share this truth, especially with those who have already heard the good news. Yes, that's right. This encouragement isn't coming so we can go share the good news with those who have never heard about Jesus before. No, that's not where we're going today. Today, we're going to be encouraged to share the good news of salvation with those who have already heard it to begin with. But unfortunately, they have yet to receive the good news. So before we do anything else, let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. These two verses seem simple, so let's put them into one simple sentence. And that sentence that describes both of these verses is this. The grace of God uses mankind to eternally rescue mankind. The grace of God will use mankind to eternally rescue mankind. Kind. Basically, what that's saying is God uses us to save others. He works through us to share the good news of salvation. But see how we start off this morning. James starts off by saying what then? He says, my brothers, and this goes back to what we said earlier. He's actually talking to the church. He's talking to believers because whenever we see this in the text, whenever it says, my brothers, it means those who have a saving faith in Jesus. James is addressing those who have this. So he's saying this because he knows that these individuals are part of Christ's body. Brothers and sisters, we've already heard Jesus' warning. 
If you have been reading your Bibles, you've already heard the warning from Jesus. And that's the reason why James is starting off and saying, my brothers. But what is this warning that we've already heard from Jesus? It's from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I want to read this for you. Jesus himself says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, in our text this morning where it says anyone among you wanders from the truth, where, where it says that right there, that's really those who Jesus is talking about when he says, they're the ones coming to me saying, Lord, Lord. They're the ones who've been in the church, but we're not hand-to-hand -hand in fellowship. Or maybe, you know, grabbed the hand, started to cross that street and just let go. Maybe had that dive line in their sights, but, you know, wandered off. They're the ones who've heard the gospel, but have refused to follow the spiritual guideline that we find right here in God's word. That spiritual guideline each and every time will lead us right back to safety. And safety each and every time is eternal salvation. After all, cave divers who neglect to dive, what happens when they neglect to follow their guideline? They perish. Now here's really the million dollar question then. And you may be asking yourself this question, maybe you're not, maybe this question isn't on your radar, but this is the question. Were they really saved to begin with? They're in the church. We've established that they've heard something about the good news. Maybe, though, we shouldn't just assume that they're in the church. Let's, let's restate that. They could be in the church, maybe they're not, but they've definitely heard the gospel. So were they really saved to begin with? Well, let's begin with this. What does it say? It says, wanders from the truth. See, God's truth is not relative. And, and what I mean by that is this. God's truth does not change according to the circumstance. The young boy crossing the street, either he's holding his sister's hand or he isn't. The scuba diver coming out of the cave is either following the guideline or isn't. Galatians, I'm going to read this for you. This is important. This comes from Galatians 1. We're looking at verses 6 through 9 here. It won't be on your screen. I'm just going to read it for you really quick. We know that this is true. We've been warned that this was going to happen. Paul writes this. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You see what he's saying there? Turning to a different gospel. He goes on to say that, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, verse 8 is very, very interesting to me because I can think of one false religion in particular that verse 8 would cover, and that would be Mormonism. If you know anything about Mormonism, Joseph Smith goes off into the woods. He wanders off into the woods. And then an angel of light appears to him, supposedly, and gave him a new gospel written on these golden tablets. So what does Paul said? He goes, but even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we have preached to you, let him be accursed. 
So even something like Mormonism found in the 1800s was already being called out about 15, actually more than that, about 16, 1700 years, somewhere around there before it even came to be. And he ends by saying, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Unfortunately, this is our culture today. This is most churches today. We call this apostasy. Apostasy is very simple. It's those who once were hand in hand being guided by God's truth or following that guideline to safety, but went away from the truth. So what we're really getting at is this. This can be an individual effort or that could actually spread to a whole church. We live in a society that says foolish things. Foolish things with God's word. Churches preaching foolish messages, claiming that it's God's word, using scripture to preach such messages. Messages that would say something like, God is love above all else. Now, that's going to get you into trouble. Recently, I had a young man who's not really that young. He's a few years younger than I am. Had an opportunity to come into his life. He came into my life. He was a real encouragement to me. I had just gone through seminary. I was actually in the middle of seminary when I met him, then finished up, and he was inspired to continue on into seminary. He was already in a church, a worship leader. Sent me a message recently to kind of give me an update of where he's at. He's taking a new pastoral position. And he said to me in, the, in, this, in this message, he was really you know, trying to encourage me, but then he, he also kind of let me know to you know, a side of me that you know, maybe he appreciated sometimes, but not all the time. And he said something about, hey, I really appreciate the encouragement you had on my life, the impact you had on my life for the sake of the gospel. And then in brackets, he put, sometimes zealous. Which I get what he's saying, but why is he saying sometimes zealous? Well, I, I, I can tell you why, and this actually has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. See, of course I'm going to be zealous. I grew up in a Methodist church. I didn't hear the gospel. I'm very thankful that my parents made it a priority that church was not an option on Sunday morning. Thank you. Unfortunately, there was no gospel. I thought it was normal to grow up with women as pastors and preachers, having gay men in the choir, having their picture taken together in the directory. I thought that was normal behavior. It wasn't until I went to another church that still, after some time, realized they weren't preaching the gospel either, but it was much better than the Methodist church I grew up in. But in that church, I was actually discipled. And the minute I was discipled, I heard the gospel for the first time, and the rest was history, and here I am today. I never aspired to stand in Christ's pulpit and proclaim his message on Sunday mornings, prepare during the week to present everything that I'm learning from his truth. But God had other plans for me in my life. But then I come across this text this morning and I start seeing some of this and I start seeing the connection. And where the gospel is heading 
where it has been and then start to realize some truth in this because we teach messages that say God is love above all else and that is not true. One of these churches in particular, I'll just give you one, one example really quickly. The pastor had a sermon within the last couple of years that was titled, and I kid you not, Jesus, the GOAT, G-O-A-T, as the acronym GOAT for greatest of all time. The sermon title alone disqualifies the message being preached because Jesus is not bound by time and space, so therefore he cannot be the greatest of all time. Jesus would have to be the greatest of all eternity. But why would a pastor use that for a sermon title? Because that's what the world says. The same world that says God is love above all else. No, no, no. God is not love above all else. God is first and foremost holy. Big difference. God's love comes from His holiness. God's mercy comes from His holiness. God's compassion comes from His holiness. His grace comes from His holiness. Do you see where we're going? We are separated from God because of His holiness. And when we understand that message, we begin to understand the gospel the good news of Jesus. Because only Jesus could do the work to put us into a position to be in a forever relationship with God who is holy. Everything is based upon the work of Christ. The message being taught from the apostasy, people who once have heard the truth but have deviated from, is quite simple. It's a message of you it's self-motivated preaching and teaching so you can feel empowered to do whatever it is that you want to do in life. So you can live your best life now. Well, if you want your best life to be now, then your next life will be in hell. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life to come. So my only job, our only job is to share Christ and Him and crucified. Then you go back to what Michael was talking about this morning during worship. Soldiers standing together, connected. The battle they're fighting is to quite simply share Jesus. That's what we do. That's why our spiritual guideline is so important. Our spiritual guideline is the righteousness of Christ, which leads to the eternal holiness of God. So were they really saved to begin with? Remember we asked that question? Did you forget that we asked that question? Because I almost did. Were they really saved to begin with? You know what I say? Who cares? Does it really matter? Is that really our job to determine whether or not they were saved or they really weren't saved? What really matters is this. We observe that this individual that's being talked about here in James was an heir with God's truth. That's all that matters. We don't judge their salvation. We just determine whether or not they are an heir with God's truth. So really, the question that we could be asking ourselves is, who do we know in our lives that has actually said, Lord, Lord? Who is it that we know that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, verse 21? If you know someone who has said, Lord, Lord, are you ready 
to be the someone, as it says here, who brings him back? Are you ready for that challenge? Are you ready to do this so the church can say that they've been brought back to salvation? Brothers and sisters, this takes a lot of courage. It takes a tremendous amount of courage. And one of the things I want to share with you, some of these churches that I was in, and one of the reasons why I'm here today is because the pastors in these churches pulled me aside and started to mentor me. I wouldn't necessarily say too much discipleship was happening, but some mentorship did happen. And I had an opportunity when I got behind the scenes and I called these pastors out. I was able to tell them, why are you preaching from a book off the shelf from a bookstore? Why aren't you preaching from the Word of God? Because that's what was happening. Now, there's a reason why I probably didn't stick around much longer in some of these institutions. I wouldn't want a thorn in my side hanging around either. But brothers and sisters, this takes a tremendous amount of courage. This takes a tremendous amount of confidence in the good news of Jesus to call somebody out when you see them in error. Do you know what to do in this situation? Well, I want to tell you anyway, so I don't even know why I asked. Really, do you really know what to do in these situations when you see somebody who's at least, you know, heard the gospel, someone who's actually said, Lord, Lord, do you know what you actually are supposed to do? See, when you, when you see this happening, when you see someone who claims to be a brother in Christ, but you see them in complete error to the gospel, what we're supposed to do is not be a good friend right away. Don't be a good friend. Don't think about being a good friend. Don't even let that creep into your thought pattern. What we're supposed to be is a good brother and sister in Christ. A good brother and sister in Christ will tell another fellow brother and sister in Christ that they have mud or mud, mustard on their face. But then also have that be well received because they know the gospel. So it's not a matter of just us picking things out. Sometimes it may be us that needs to hear the truth from somebody else, but it always needs to line up with God's word. And when we do this, we can see someone be brought back to salvation. And really, that's the same as being brought back from death. That's the whole goal. Life only happens through Jesus. And this is why James writes this. He writes, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, he ends his book by saying this, will save his soul from death. So as Hallie comes up and joins me, we close out this morning. Brothers and sisters, sin separates us from God. Sin is what leads to death. Without sin, there is no death. And those who do not know the Lord will be eternally separated from Him forever. Therefore, this makes the entire book of James, as we look back at this book that we just went through verse by verse, this makes the entire book of James a bit evangelistic. Evangelism happens both outside and inside these doors. 
When someone is brought back to salvation, that's when the real conversion actually happens. Just hearing the gospel, knowing about Jesus is not true conversion. It's when someone is brought back to salvation. When somebody is not in error with God's word, when someone, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, is obedient, when they repent of their sin, they turn away from their sin and turn back to God. They may have first only heard the good news, but did not receive the truth in their heart. But finally, look at how James ends again and will cover a multitude of sins. There is no sin bigger than the cross. There is nothing that you have done in your past that the cross is too small to conquer. All sin is smaller than the cross because sin either leads you into death or it leads you into forgiveness. It's either or. Either you follow that guideline or you don't. And the Lord uses us to deliver that message. And this is the reason why we said this morning, the grace of God uses mankind to eternally rescue mankind. Let's pray. Lord, we need to be a church that is constantly focused on just simply sharing the good news of Jesus. My prayer is that we can be an encouragement to others to hear the good news and respond in a way to where they receive your Holy Spirit, repent and turn back to you. Without Jesus, none of this is possible, which is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Come